Welcome to Brazos Matters. I'm Jay Sokol. My family and I had the great fortune to visit with friends in Switzerland not very long ago. And what we were reminded of was how almost everyone, at least in the area that we were in, had a garden. And not ornamental gardens, but ones that produced enough vegetables and fruits to feed the family and maybe multiple families. And it was amazing and it was wonderful, but it also required space. And I think that's what we imagine gardening and, of course, farming requiring here is space. Well, my guest today is taking a very different approach to all of this. It's a method that's gaining popularity around the world. Vertical farming. Lisette Templin is an instructional assistant professor with Texas A&M's Department of Health and Kinesiology and one of the founders of TUFU. That is Texas A&M's Urban Farm United. Lisette, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Jay. One of my favorite topics, food. Let's do that. (laughs) Well, I want you to start out by giving us an origin story about TUFU, how and why it even came about. Um, Yes. So the beauty of Tufu is it speaks to people who can say, I actually have a brown thumb and I can't grow anything. That's me. And that's actually me, too. Hmm. So um, I found the the tower gardens uh, about 10 years ago. And the message was anybody can grow their own food. And I was like, okay, this is a little bit skeptical. Where'd you see this? Um, friends who are, are, have, have worked with it. Okay. Um, and I said, you know, everybody, I wonder if everybody includes me because I, I killed everything. And it was very frustrating. But I says, nope, it's not for me. But, you know, sometimes when your heart keeps tugging at you and it won't let go, mm-hmm. and it's so annoying that if you don't, actually respond to it it gets more annoying (laughs) so I decided okay heart I gotcha so I said all right I'm gonna see if I can be that anybody okay and it was like uh you get three months to try this out if it doesn't work just send it all back and so um my husband actually bought it for me for Mother's Day so you're starting out at home I'm starting it at home Okay, okay oh yeah oh yeah all right uh so I started at home and it was growing food for the family of five. And my tower had 28 ports. And it, I mean, it was growing. And of course, you know, I'm, what I did was I said, okay, I want to start where it's really obvious, where if I make a mistake, it's not drastic. Mm-hmm. And none of the mistakes I made were drastic. <laughs> you know, plants, if it died, okay, I, I forgot to um, uh, take the pH balance or I forgot to um, pull it in when it was so hot, you know, or maybe warm the water a little bit during the really freezing months. So it was really just small problem solving that allowed me to connect, actually connect with the plants, a living plants. So it's communicating with me constantly. I need this. I need a, you know, pH levels a little high, a little low, you know, maybe a little more sun, maybe a little less sun. And so these very simple, beautiful messages are giving me connections to the food that I eat. So what were you growing? I was starting with greens, uh, lettuce, kale. Uh, Those are really obvious ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basil. Those are are pretty much fail proof. 
Okay. And then I got to fruiting crops like tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers. And those are a little bit more challenging for people who do have brown thumbs. But then in the end, it's all pretty doable. And that's the beauty of science, nature, and tenacity of the human heart to change. So when did you translate what you were learning and experiencing at home to what's happening here on campus? Uh, seven years. Oh. Yeah, I, I played, I, I, it, it was never a blip for me to, to bring it on campus. I grew up with one tower and then I added another tower mm-hmm. and I was just growing for the family. Okay. It never occurred to me that I could do it commercially. And then the Aggie Green Fund sent out an email that says, anybody who has a sustainable project, please um, uh, share it with us and we might fund it. And I thought again, well, why not me? You know, anybody can do it. And I wanted to prove to myself and to the community that anybody can change the path of growing food for the community. And so I applied. It was a $70,000 grant. Um, Plant pathology, Dr. Kevin Ong said, well, we have a greenhouse um, that's not being used. Give it a shot. And so with $70,000, we got the greenhouse, we bought 30 uh, towers. It uh, gave me a part-time position for one of the students. Um, And we just started growing. And what was was the goal of the project? The goal of the project was to give food to the 12th can food pantry, which is now we're talking about um, food insecurity. Mm-hmm. And now that I've learned about the, the 12 can and how much work they do for our campus, for our community, and how much food is needed by our graduate students, our international students, our staff that are barely making enough mm-hmm. to, to, to survive. Um, the food pantry is, is a miracle on campus. And now we donate to it and it's fresh, you know, and the Brazos uh, County Food Pantry gives a lot to the 12th can, right. but we get to give them fresh greens. Well, let's, let's go back to what you've learned about food insecurity just right here on campus and surrounding campus. What, what do I not know about that? Um, so the 12 cans, I don't know how long they've been around, but they are a very solid organization that opens their pantry twice a month, Wednesday and Thursdays, and they feed about 200 families. Hmm. And the Brazos Food Bank will bring food that are canned and shelved uh, to the pantry. And, um, you know, um, the, the, the clientele has a lot to do with graduate students and international students, I believe. Okay. So, um, yes. And, and what you're able to produce through Tufu from your vertical gardens is in addition, it gives fresh uh, foods to combine with the canned and foods that have a longer shelf life, I guess. Yes, yes. And the students would come and harvest And we, you know, and the beauty of our food is the roots are intact. 
And so then you're talking about nutrient density and food as medicine. And now here's a whole nother topic hmm. is food as medicine that actually heals the body and repairs the body and creates a thriving uh, situation within the body versus um, the idea of consumption, we are actually nourishing the body. Right, right. Well, so I'm, I'm bouncing sort of from, from topic to topic because I find things you're telling me very interesting, but in terms of comparing vertical farming, what you're doing there with traditional gardening or farming, tell me about light and soil requirements and water requirements and how do we compare what you're doing versus what has been traditionally done? Yes. So the, the traditional gardens, um, for me, and part of the reason that I failed as, as a, as a gardener Mm -hmm. is because there are too many variables, too many basic variables that I have to navigate when I'm a really busy mom and a busy professional. Mm -hmm. So this is where science and technology is is helping communities so much, is that who are you addressing? You're addressing people who are saying, I'm too busy, I don't have time. So what do they do? They take the difficult variables out of the equation for us. And the the one, the major variable is nutrients in the soil. I'm sorry, nutrients for the towers. So the towers have nutrients that have been researched via Epcot and working with NASA huh. to grow food in, up in space. And they, they are mined minerals, sustainably mined minerals that uh, comes with these towers. And so the food variable for the plants are stabilized right off the bat. So you're not having to add to your soil, detract, or test your soil. A busy person can take that step out. The other component is watering. The watering cycles is set on a timer. Three minutes on, uh, 12 minutes off. And so if you're, you can even go on vacation for 10 days. And the, the, the towers will continue to just take care of itself. Right. Um, so watering soil, um, are two of the major, major components in gardening that people overlook, but yet when they are involved in it, that's where they find the challenge. Oh, and weeding. Hmm. Hmm. Is that even an issue with vertical farming? No, that's not an issue with vertical farming. Okay. And I don't have to worry about, um, animals like squirrels and that are feeding and rabbits that are feeding from the ground. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're selling me on this as a brown thumb person. Um, how much are you now producing through your vertical gardens on campus? How, how much food are you able to give maybe to dining services also? I don't know if that's uh, um, a destination for some of your food, but what are, what are your crop Well, we, um, we have a pretty good schedule now. We would give anywhere from 20 to 40 pounds to the food pantry every other week. Okay. And then I was working with Nam Cafe, so I want a huge shout out to Nam Cafe, Vietnamese mm-hmm. food, super healthy. They were buying our lettuce weekly at uh, 20 pounds a week. That's a lot. 
It's a lot. Yeah. And then um, a huge shout out to a chef, Kevin Lukey, at the Hotel and Conference Center. Um, They were willing to take our fruits and vegetables. And we were also giving them 20 pounds of greens a week. And then anything else that we're growing seasonally. So our greens are stable. Okay. Yes. So, you know, what I was trying to, to, to show the community is that we have a food source, uh, a way where we can bring community together that feeds the population right here, right now. Yeah. And make grow local, serve local a thing here. Do you intend to scale this up to where you're able to produce more and more and feed more and more people? Or are you, are you the size you need to be and, and we'll stay that way? Well, that's a really good question, Jay. Um, so our project's been around for five years. And during that five years, my, I was honing into rhythm, timing, um, seasonal patterns, um, how to treat uh, bugs uh, um, in a compassionate and sustainable way. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I com- connect with communities? So in the first five years, I've learned all of that right now. So do I want to scale it? I definitely want to scale it. But so phase one of this project is over for me as far as the learning curve. So we are into asking communities for help to say, here's the opportunity. How can, what can we do with this? Um, I have talked to the city of college station and I'm going to start this, um, conversation again with them to see if they would like to take over part two of this project. Well, what do you imagine that to be? What could that be in your mind? Um, that would be um, the city taking on the farm. Um, I would coach them and train them. And then we coach one another until the, when someone really knows that how to work the 30 towers, mm-hmm. then we can get it bigger and then have a plan. Okay, how can we create a business plan for someone who might be interested? And then they grow for the local restaurants. And part of that, um, of that would be to go back to the food pantry. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a model of entrepreneurship plus care. Right. Right. Well, let me let me do this. Let me stop for just a moment and tell people that if you, if you just tuned in, my name is Jay Sokol. You're listening to Brazos Matters, and my guest is Lisette Templin, and we're talking about Texas A&M's Urban Farm United, also known as Tufu. Is vertical farming like what you're talking about? You said you started out sort of dabbling in this at home. How easy is it for an average family to get into vertical farming? Is it, is it too expensive for the average family or is, it, or is this really doable? Well, okay. So I think it's very durable, except for you have to commit. You, it's not a, a magic beanstalk. You know, it right. does require, um, I'm going to say love. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it requires that you, you learn how to seed, you learn how to transplant, you learn how to check water, check your pH level, and then you learn how to harvest. 
you can either harvest leaf by leaf or you can harvest the whole plant. Mm. But then you need to learn how to just, re- how do I cycle this again? So to me, it's so simple. For a family of four, one person can do this two hours a week. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's about how it takes, about two hours a week. And then you clean the tower maybe once every eight weeks. And that'll take maybe an hour to Hmm. clean. Hmm. Do you think this lends itself to community gardening or to um, these large apartment complexes or independent living facilities? Like, would it translate into an environment like any of those, do you think? Or No, I don't think. I know. Okay. You know, but once it, once again, it just takes one person who's willing to be the chef, you know, be the grower mm. and, and have a heart for teaching others. That's really what it takes. The technology is there to support someone with that type of heart and someone who needs to learn, who loves to touch a tactile person, you know, um, Someone who likes to move their bodies mm-hmm. because that's what gardening requires you to do. Um, but these systems are very amenable to people who might have issues with uh, movements. You can even do this in a wheelchair. So we actually work with a program on campus called BGBG, which is Battleground to Breaking Grounds. Hmm. And I teach veterans twice a year how to do this. So I, we usually have about 28 veterans who come through this program. Um, it's AgriLife Extension, Battleground to Breaking Ground. Okay. And they come and they, they are veterans that are retired from the military and they are very, very interested in agriculture. And talk about PTSD, um, solution for PTSD. Gardening is a huge uh, solution for that. Yeah, I would have to think it's very calming and uh, gives a nice connection to nature, which I I know you're all about the the holistic nature of this whole thing. Um, yeah, what do you see when you bring disabled veterans or any other group who may not have had a connection like this previously? It's almost automatic. I do not have to do anything. Nature does the work. And the reason how nature works is that when you start gardening, you open all your senses. They actually tap you into your visual senses of colors and starting to see, okay, oh my gosh, it's not just green. It's the range of greens that your, your, your eyes are constantly picking up and processing through your brains. The tactile, you know, there's like 8,000 different types of lettuce and they all have different shapes and they dance differently in the wind. You know, you, your whole body starts picking these up mm. and you touch it and then you smell it and then you taste it. And so all your senses are alive. That is the healing component that's not talked about. Because I'll have students, engineer students, uh, come into my greenhouse, and all of a sudden, they're all having so much fun because all their, their senses are alive, and there's nothing that's stressing them. They're, they're 
totally honed in. It's absolutely beautiful to witness. And that's how communities can get started. So you have some student support, correct, in, in these gardens? Uh, yes, we have. Um, so the Howdy Farm uh-huh. has moved over. They were, you know, they couldn't have their garden on West Campus anymore, so they moved to us. Okay. And so they do a lot of earth gardening outside. So they do a lot of carrots and potatoes and radish, so root vegetables, while we do what we're good at. So what happens is you find your sweet spots. Each technique, growing technique, has a sweet spot. So why not maximize it? Right. I was wondering what kind of student takes interest in tofu and vertical farming who I may not have suspected would take interest in that. Who are you reaching? Well, I've had a lot of core guys, uh, students come that I was not expecting to come and they enjoy it very much. My engineers uh, really enjoy it because it really takes them out of their headspace that they don't realize that they're in all the time. And they come and they actually feel like they're breathing, which is really amazing. Um, I have a lot of nursing students who, who seems like a very natural path for them. Um, environmental uh, type students mm-hmm. come quite a bit. Um, I have architectural uh, design students, um, landscape uh, design students who also come and they enjoy it very much. I'll bet, and of course, you've put three kids through A&M, right? We did, So yes. I can imagine you really have um, a lot of intuition about the kind of stresses these students are carrying with them and how beneficial your environment can be to them. I bet that's a great service you're providing some of these students. Well, I, okay, so I'm going to jump topic a little bit uh, about stress since you brought that up. Um, So I teach two courses here, meditation for stress and anxiety and meditation for leaders. And what I have found that stresses them so much is the disconnect that they have for their bodies and the disconnect that they have in within such a large, large campus. So food actually connects us all. Hmm. You know, we all have to eat and we all have to breathe and we all have to move. And so gardening addresses all those um, issues. And, and they connect very naturally to one another. And so connection is the key word in, in, in a stress relief and getting out of our heads. That's huge. Hmm. And um, in, in the university settings, that doesn't feel like it's allowed. Right. I need to come take your class. That's yes, what please. I think I need to do. <laughs> hey, tell me this. I know um, you lived in, you and your family lived in Auburn for a little while. Yes, we did. And I saw where Auburn has a vertical farming and aquaponics operation on their campus. So they're able to provide vegetables and fish to some of their dining facilities. Do you have any idea if this concept is gaining traction on 
at other campuses across the country? Oh, it's gaining traction everywhere. Is it? Except for here. <laughs> well, tell me about it. We tried, you know, I, and, and I don't want to say that, um, that I don't have hope because I have a lot of hope um, that it will catch on. But it has, from what my understanding now, it has to catch on from the grassroots level, mm. right? It's not catching on at the academic level yet until we understand that we are the people that are making changes, we're not waiting for policies. It is going to take you and me and our neighbors and our friends and our children that demands it before it will catch on. Hmm. We actually tried this with the hotel and conference center. They really want to be a part of this. But I believe the, um, the complexity of moving things through systems really was not viable for them. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, it's just going to take the grassroots community. And my hope for phase two of Tufu is, and I'm looking for phase two of Tufu as we speak. Mm -hmm. Can it be a co-op on campus where each person or each department would, um, would, would take ownership with one or two towers? and come grow food for their department. Oh, that's a great idea. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're onto something. Mm -hmm. Okay, I like that. That, that sounds very hopeful and, uh, and doable. So if, if anyone listening to us um, would even like to come by and see your operation and experience Texas A&M's Urban Farm United, can they do that? Absolutely. We usually have volunteer hours. Um, I'm there on, at, uh, on Fridays from 9 to 11. And I will train and show anybody who wants to come. They just have to reach out to me at uh, Lisette Templin at tamu.edu. Okay. That sounds easy enough. And is there uh, a place online that they can go and, and learn more about you? Or Because what I did, I just went to the Texas A&M website and searched Tufu, and I was able to find a very cool video about you and a nice story. But is there any, any other place, or is that the place uh, We to start? are on uh, Facebook as Tufu. I am not a social media whiz by any means, so that's my basic social media package is T-U-F-U on Facebook. Okay. I'm trying to do Instagram. <laughs> that's good. That's a good place to be. <laughs> Get some of your students, get, get your kids to help you with that. I, I try, I try, but you know, they tend to be um, everywhere and sometimes nowhere. Right. <laughs> well, this has been super interesting and I appreciate you coming in and talking about it. And uh, you and I have known each other casually for a long time, but we haven't been around each other a lot. Unfortunately, I've had to be around your husband. <laughs> Yes. And uh, I survived that. Yes. So yes. please, uh, please tell Kelly that, uh, you know, get off the couch and do something to help out around the house. And, uh, and that I said hello. I sure will. He said to give uh, you a hug. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Very unlike him. Lisette Templin, thank you so much for the talk. 
Oh, my my absolute appreciation for, for, for offering this time to me. Absolutely. Brazos Matters is a production of Aggieland's Public Radio, 90.9 KAMU-FM, a member of Texas A&M University's Division of Marketing and Communications. Our show is engineered and edited by Matt Dittman. You can learn more about us. Check out all the Brazos Matters archives at kamu.tamu.edu.